Why don't we go back to the beginning of the Bible, back to the book of the beginnings, the book of Genesis. If you want to just turn back there to Genesis, we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 11 here in, in just a moment. Isn't it amazing how this time of year, you know, it's already the 19th. January is going to be over. Some of us already, we've made New Year's resolutions. We've, we've already broken them. You know, this time of year, you, you drive by the fast food places in January and the parking lots are empty and you go by the, uh, the gym and the parking lots are full. Next month, you'll go by the gym, the parking lot will be empty and you go by the fast food place and the parking lots will be full. We don't, we don't keep up with those things very long, do we? In, in fact, I saw a, a poem the other day that, that sort of applied to me. I thought I would, I'd read it to you. It says, I, I spent a fortune on a trampoline a stationary bike and a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results and others to show the miles I've charted, but they left off the gadget to get me started. You know, we can have a lot of great ideas, right? Wonderful plans, uh, things that we, that we want to do in this year because this year is it's out there for us. Only God knows what it holds. And it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity that we have I'm reminded of the story from a few years ago when people traveled mostly by train and on the train there was a beautiful young woman seated beside her grandmother and seated across from them directly in front of them was a young lieutenant in the army and his colonel and they were sitting there across from each other and it was obvious that the the young lieutenant and uh, the young woman were sort of attracted to one another uh, making eyes at each other but they were scared to talk to each other the lieutenant because his colonel was there and the young woman because her grandmother was there and so they just kept looking at each other and in just a little while the train went through a tunnel and it was totally dark and you heard two sounds A kiss and a slap. And they come out of the tunnel and everybody was just sitting there. The young woman was thinking, I am so glad that that young lieutenant kissed me. But I'm sorry that my grandmother slapped him for doing it. The grandmother was thinking, how dare that lieutenant kiss my granddaughter. But I'm glad she had the fortitude to slap him for doing it. The colonel is sitting there thinking, I really can't blame the young lieutenant for kissing the young girl, but I wished when she slapped him she hadn't missed him and slapped me instead. And the young lieutenant is just sitting there smiling to himself thinking, how often do you get the opportunity to kiss a beautiful girl and slap your colonel at the same time? <laughs> he made the most of his opportunity. And the year in front of us is indeed an opportunity for us. And we'll either take advantage of it or we'll let another year go by without taking advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives to us. If you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter 11, we're going to read there in just a moment. Have you ever gone into a movie and uh, maybe you were... Uh, you're getting popcorn and you got caught in the concession line or maybe you got caught in the restroom line and by the time you got into the movie it had already started and you'd missed four or five minutes. And as you sit down by your wife or by your husband you whisper, did I miss anything? Well, if we start reading the Bible just a little late, if the Bible were a movie and we miss about five minutes of it, we miss the first 11 chapters, we miss a lot, don't we? I mean... 
We miss the creation of the heavens and the earth. We miss creation of man and woman. We miss sin entering into the world there in the garden. We miss the introduction of the serpent, Satan, the enemy. We miss the first murder when Cain murdered his brother Abel. We, we miss a, a flood over the whole earth when the world got so corrupt that God saved only Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. Eight people were the only ones that made it. And then in chapter 11, we, we read the story of an ancient people uh, building a tower. Now, now, you might think that, of, you know, out of all the things in those first 11 chapters, I mean, creation, the fall, the flood, murder, all of those things, that the building of the tower might be pretty insignificant. But as we look at that, I believe we can find some things that will definitely apply to us in, in, as individuals and in our families and in our church, especially as we begin this new year. Would you, would you turn to Genesis chapter 11 with me? And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Lest we make a, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for every single word that's in it. Lord, thank you that it is divinely inspired from Genesis through Revelation. Lord, as we look into your word today, Lord, help us to see how this story, how this actual historical event fits into our lives thousands of years later. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, sometime after the flood, as the earth was beginning to repopulate and, and, and people were, were getting together, that these folks had an idea. They got to this region out in the plain of Shinar, probably the area that had been started by Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter, and if you read that through the book of Genesis. And they said, here, here's a great idea. Why don't we set ourselves up a city and build ourselves a tower that will, that will reach up to heaven? And they began to do that. But as we, as we look at this scripture, we, I believe we find something. First of all, we, we see the reason that we have all the languages on the earth today. That's, that's a primary purpose. But also, I believe, as we look at this story, as we look at these words, we, we find where what we would call a formula for failure. A formula for failure. Because this endeavor that they started out in, it totally, utterly failed. 
And if we don't learn from their mistakes in the things that we do in our lives, we will utterly, totally fail. Why did they fail? What was wrong? I'm not going to use PowerPoint because my, my points are easy. If I can remember them, you can remember them. Okay? The, the first reason they failed was because their model was wrong. Now, now if you were to go this afternoon to Barnes & Noble or uh, to, over to uh, Hastings or somewhere, and you go into the business section, and might, you might find books on management or you might find books on leadership, and, and you might go to an area that, uh, as books about how you can be successful no matter the area of life that you're in. And if you check out one of those books and you read it, they're basically all going to be condensed down to this formula. First of all, you've got to set yourself a goal. You've got to have a goal. And, and then once you have a goal, you've got to have plans to help you reach the goal. You know, they're going to say something like, if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right? And so you've got to have plans. You've got to have action steps to help you hit the goal. And then you've got to work hard. You've got to follow the plan. You've got to work your plan. You've got to do all that you can do to make it. And so we have all over our world today in the, in the, in the corporate culture and, and in the educational system, and you, you have people following this model. They've got goals. They've got plans to help them reach the goal. And they're working hard to get there. about that model that's the model these people followed wasn't it I mean they had a goal didn't they that they had a goal that they were going to build a tower that reached to heaven a worthy goal and they had a plan they had brick they had asphalt they were going to make that tower out of brick and asphalt and the scripture shows that they were working hard to get it done in fact, it looked to begin with that they were making tremendous progress. And yet it all came to nothing. Why? Because their model was all wrong. Why was their model wrong? They left God out. Nowhere is God mentioned. They didn't get the idea from God. They didn't pray to God. They didn't consult God. They just decided, hey, this will be a great idea. And they did it. And they left God out of their plans. You see, anytime we leave God out, whether it's in our individual lives, whether it's in our family, Everything goes south. Nothing goes right. This is, this is true of individuals. When you get so busy that you don't have time for God, you're much busier than God ever intended for you to be. You're doing some things that God never intended for you in the first place. Things begin coming apart. But just like it's true for individuals, it's, it's true for nations, isn't it? The, the scripture says that uh, the wicked shall be, shall be turned into hell in all the nations that forget God. No, notice this passage in, in Psalm chapter 33, verses 10 through 12. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. 
The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You see, when we, we try to keep the God out of our nation, no matter what kind of towers we may build, they won't stand. But not only is it true for individuals and true for nations, but can be true for churches right you said oh, wait a minute preacher you're, you're saying that 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 God is 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 left out of the church well when brother Tom preached last summer on the seven churches we we got to the church at Laodicea and where do we find the Lord on the outside of the church knocking saying here I stand and knock he'd gotten pushed outside he'd gotten pushed away You see, one of the things we're going to learn through our experience in God's study is God does not need you and me thinking up stuff for Him. He already knows. The key is finding out what God is doing and accepting His invitation to work with Him. God knows what He wants to do. God knows what He's going to do. Billy Graham is quoted as saying many times that he believes that if God took the Holy Spirit out of the world. The church would continue to do 80 to 90% of what it's doing. Which means, could it be that 80 to 90% of what churches do, God never intended for us to do in the first place? It's so easy to start depending on money and methods and manpower. And as churches build our tower for the glory of God, when in reality, we're not building it for His glory at all, are we? Our model can be wrong. Just like there in the tower, as they built the Tower of Babel, their model was wrong because they left God out. Now, it looked for a while like they were having success. But wouldn't it be terrible to come to the end of your life thinking that you've climbed the ladder of success? And realize that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. And you're really nowhere at all. Their model was wrong. But not only was their model wrong, but their motive was wrong. Why, why, why did they want to build the tower in the first place? Well, first of all, they wanted to have a city so they, they wouldn't be scattered. But then they said, hey, come, let us make a name for ourselves. Who did they want to get the glory for all that they were doing? They wanted themselves to get the glory. Isn't that one of the reasons that people want to be, quote, successful? So folks will look at us and say, wow, look at his house. Look at her car. Notice their title. Look at all they have. And it draws attention to ourselves, doesn't it? When as believers in our life, who should get the glory? Only God. Even in the church. If we're not careful, we can get so proud and so carried away with what we're doing. 
what we're doing as a church or what we're doing through various programs and start talking about how great we are and we start putting the glory on ourselves as the church when the scripture says that all the glory in the church ought to go to God, right? Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, let, there be, let him get glory in his church. See, they were, they were self-centered. They, they never consulted God in the first place. Their model was wrong. And then as they started building, they, they did it for the wrong reason. Their, their motives were wrong. They wanted to glorify self. Isn't that what humanism is all about? Humanism is magnifying man instead of magnifying God. Everything we have is by the grace of God. And everything we do ought to be for the glory of God. And if that's not our motive, our motives are wrong. See, it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And God's not going to bless that. Like the old preacher said, God won't bless a mess. And when we do the right thing, the, the right thing even for the wrong reason, God won't bless it because it's self-centered. And self-centeredness only grows out of our selfishness. Don't we live in that kind of society today? Where it's all about me. We've been called the me generation. It's all about me. Hey, if you're not getting fulfillment in your marriage, leave your spouse. You deserve to be fulfilled. If, you, if your family is holding you down and, and, and holding you back, then just abandon your kids because you deserve to be all that you can be. Today's Sanctity of Life Sunday. If that pregnancy is inconvenient, just abort the baby and get on with your life. Isn't that the society that we live in? It's all about me and what we can even bring that same thing into the church, can't we, Christians? Hey, it's all about me. I'm too selfish to tithe, but I expect quality programs. I'm too selfish to serve, but I want people to serve me. I'm too busy to minister, but I want to be ministered to. And, and as long as, as, as my desires and my demands are being met, I'll keep coming to church. I'll bless you with my presence. But as soon as my desires and my demands aren't being met, I'll go to another church or I'll just stay home altogether. Is that the right motive? As they built the tower, their, their, the model was wrong, but their motive was wrong. It's not about me, 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 me. Again, even in the church, I, I, I'm so excited to be a part of a church that is a giving church. Does, to hear that Lottie Moon go, $40,000 straight to the mission field. We don't get anything for that as far as humanly speaking. That money's all gone because we know that's what God called us to do. You see, churches can get selfish, can't we? We can just consume everything. Spend everything on ourselves and say, ask when there's an opportunity and say, well, what are we going to get out of this? We, we don't give for what we can get out of it. We give so that God can be glorified, don't we? 
And so as a church, we're, we're not consumers. We're, we're channels of blessing, right? As God blesses other people through us so that we're not selfish. A church, not just looking within their walls. It's always, you know, I, I hear of a lot of churches relocating from the inner city to the suburbs. I wonder why God never leads a church to relocate from the suburbs to the inner city. It never seems to work that way, does it? But as we listen to God, our motive ought to be nothing more, nothing less than to magnify and glorify Him. Why did they fail? Well, their, their model was wrong. Their motives were wrong. And then finally we see their mission was wrong. What in the world has that got to do with their mission? Well, well, what was God's purpose? Look back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Right after God had uh, created man, he said, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. After the flood, everything had been destroyed. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You see, God's plan for them was not to gather together into one wad. God's plan for them, he said, Hey, I've created this whole earth. And I want you to have lots of kids and I want you to scatter and fill this place up that I've created for you. That was God's will, but instead of following God's will, they said, we're going to follow our will and we're going to all stay right here together and build a tower as a monument to ourselves. And When God came down and saw it, he saw that it wasn't good. Isn't it interesting how in, in Genesis chapter 1, everything that God created, he saw that it was good? Man, he saw it was very good, but when he saw this tower, something man had created, he saw that it was not good. As we look back in history, we're amazed at how the ancients could, uh, could uh, build such things, like the pyramids in Egypt, the Colosseum in Rome, how those people were able to, to build those that are, that are still standing thousands of years later, but before any kind of mechanical things, and what they were able to build, God blessed them with knowledge and, and, and ingenuity. And, and they did some wonderful things. But when God saw this, he wasn't pleased. Why? Because their mission was wrong. They were defying the will of God. God said, scatter. And they tried to hoard together. Now think about you and me, church. The last thing Jesus said to us before he went to heaven, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, my plan for you is, is not just to come together and see how many people we can get in one room, see how big our tower that we can build to God. My plan for you is to scatter to the uttermost part of the earth and share the gospel every day with people. Start where you are and go as far as he calls us and enables us to do. But they defied the will of God. You know, one of the things we're going to look at experiencing God is how do we know the will of God. But you know, for most of us, 
It's not a matter of knowing God's will. It's a matter of doing God's will, right? We know what His will is for us. We just don't like it. We just don't want to do it. Because we like for things pretty much to be comfortable, easy. We, we like to get all of our ducks in a row. And, you know, just when we get things, you know, like we like them, it's like God just interrupts our lives, right, and messes it all up. Calls us to do something when he calls us on mission with him. You see, we can't stay comfortable and go with God. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. And so it's not a matter of knowing the will of God. Most of the time it's a matter of obeying the will of God. Even in the New Testament. The church in Jerusalem. They, they were growing. But they started focusing inward. They were staying where they were. And what did God allow to happen there in the book of Acts? He allowed persecution to come. So that the church was scattered. In an instant the devil thought he was going to wipe out the church. And God was just using it for his plan to further his purpose. Because as he scattered them, you know what happened? Everywhere they went, churches were started. Instead of just being one big group in Jerusalem, now you had a group in Samaria and you had a group in Antioch. And before long, you had a group over in the area of Macedonia and then down in Corinth and all of those places. The church just started growing and expanding just like God intended for it to do in the first place. You see, it's wonderful us to come together. But when we come together in here, that's not the game. This is the pregame. This is everybody in the locker room. Getting ready for the game. Wednesday night, that's halftime. The game is what we do at work and at home and at school and in the neighborhood. It's easy to come in here and smile and be nice. People are smiling and being nice to us, right? Most of the time. But God calls us to be on mission for Him. Well, their motto was wrong. Motives were wrong. Their mission was wrong. God saw it and said, it's not good. What did he do? Well, he came down, he looked at it, and he intervened. The first thing that he did was he confused their speech. Now, now can, can you imagine, I want you to picture this for a moment. They're working on this tower. They're making great progress. And by the way, many folks today that th are thinking they're making great progress and they're outside the will of God, they're not making progress at all. You know, God could have nipped this in the bud right to begin with, couldn't he? <laughs> but notice how he let them work on it, get started. It didn't take God by surprise. He let them work and work and work and work, and finally God said, okay, I'm going to put an end to this. And he confused their speech. That's where all the languages come from. Can you just imagine there you got one guy, he's there with a trial, he's laying the brick. The other guy, he's got the wheelbarrow. I know they didn't have wheelbarrows, but he's got the wheelbarrow, and he's carrying the mud. And the bricklayer says to the guy carrying the mud, I, I need some more mud. But all of a sudden, we don't know what language they spoke before. Probably wasn't English, although we Americans would like to think that they were, right? But all of a sudden, the guy said, I need more mud. He's speaking in Chinese. 
And the guy said, what, I didn't understand you. He's speaking in Japanese. And the foreman said, what are you guys stopping for? And he's speaking Swahili or something. And, and they don't know what's going on. They don't know the different languages. And all of a sudden, everybody, I mean, everything comes to a halt quickly. I, I wonder if it'd be interesting to see. I, I hope at least husbands and wives spoke the same language. Wouldn't that have been something if they gave husbands and wives different languages? After the early service, somebody came up to me and said, my, my wife and I, we always speak different languages. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Isn't that what the old book is? But all of a sudden, they couldn't understand one another anymore. He confused their speech. He confounded their plans. You see, sometimes one of the greatest things that God can do for us is interrupt what we're doing. When we get ourselves off track, when we get ourselves off course, when we start living for self instead of for Him, when we start walking out of His will, the greatest thing God can do for us is interrupt it. I mean, we're wanting to buy this house, but the loan doesn't come through. Instead of being devastated about it, maybe we need to think, Lord, was that house really in your will for us? Or is that us just living for self instead of living for you? He, he confounded their plans and nothing happened. The scripture says in Psalm 127, 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. It's never going to amount to anything unless the Lord does the building. He confused their speech. He, he confounded their plans and but notice what he did do. Look, look there with me in verse 9. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. He continued his purpose. Now they scattered. Now they started back doing what he called them to do in the first place, and they called the place Babel, which in Hebrew means confusion because they were just babbling and no one understood what anybody was doing he continued his purpose you see God is going to work out his purpose Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says many are the plans in a man's heart but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails and God continued to work. We see it in the Bible, don't we? God moved on from King Saul to, to David. God continued to work as he, as he moved throughout history. He, he, he found a people that he, that he called out. He found a people that he worked through. All through history we see that happening. God doesn't need us. But thank goodness, praise the Lord, He chose to use us. So this year as you're making your plans, do you have the right model? Is your model wrong? Have you left God out? You've got everything all worked out on paper, but God's nowhere in the picture. Won't last. Your model's wrong. 
What about your motives? Are your motives wrong? Are you doing it just to feed self? To make a name? To make people stand up and take notice of who you are and what you've done? God won't bless that. Is your mission wrong? You see, God called every single one of us to share the good news. And he gives us all opportunities to do that. It's not just for preachers, not just for those who like to talk, not just for those who are outgoing, not just for those who are extroverts. Every person is called to share. If you could go with me this morning, we could go to the panhandle of Florida, just north of Panama City Beach. It'd be a pretty nice trip, wouldn't it? Long weekend. But just north of Panama City, on a road called the Panama City Cutoff, about a mile off that road, there's a little church. And if you go to that little church out front, there's a sign that's fading, falling down, paint peeling, that says Hickory Level Baptist Church. And behind that sign, there's an old wooden building a church building that was built a hundred plus years ago, probably seat about 40 or 50 people. And then out behind the old church, there is a structure that is much larger. And the concrete has been poured. And the plumbing has come up through and been laid out. And block walls have been laid all the way around, four walls. But there are no rafters. There's no roof. There's no church. So I tried to do a little bit of history on that church. It was a church that God put his hand on and all of a sudden that little building couldn't hold all the people. But for whatever reason as they began to build a new structure Things just went to nothing. Could it be that their model, their motives, their mission was wrong? Could it be that they began to try to build a name for themselves instead of glorifying God? Our Lord's letter to the church at Ephesus, he said, Repent, or I'll come quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place God's purpose prevails what about your plans are they his plans for your life what about your motives are they to glorify him or glorify self what about all the things you've got worked out is it his purpose Because only his purpose will last. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for teaching us from the story of the Tower of Babel. And Lord, help us to avoid those same mistakes. Lord, help us not to leave you out this year. 
It's so easy with all the things we have going on to leave you out, or at least if we don't leave you out totally, we, we put you way down the priority list. Lord, forgive us for that. And Lord, help us to, as your Holy Spirit examines us, to understand our motives for why we do what we do. Is it to bring glory to ourselves or to bring glory to you? Are our motives selfish or are our motives pure? And then, Lord, are we trying to live our lives on mission for you? Or are we just simply trying to hang around, hoping one day we'll go to heaven? Lord, may we not follow this formula for failure that they did in Genesis 11. But may we follow you, that you might have glory in your church and glory in our lives. Amen. Stu's going to be leading us. Brother Tom is going to be here at the front. Some of you are getting ready for baptism. I encourage you, if you haven't, to already move back toward the baptistry. But maybe today you, you may make a decision right there where you are, right in your chair. Uh, others of you, you may want to come forward and kneel at the altar. Some of you know this is the church where you need to be. You might as well come on today and make it official. Some of you want to give your life to Jesus today. Hey, won't you come forward? There'll be someone here down front to pray for you. Maybe you just need to share something with Brother Tom. He'll be happy to pray for you. So as you stand with us right now, Stu, lead us as we sing. Brother Tom's here at the front. You come as God lays it on your heart. Hope is built.